Pocketbook. Noun. One. A woman's handbag. Two. A paperback or other small cheap edition of a book. Hey everyone, happy Wednesday and welcome to The Pocketbook, the down market podcast where we read the hard things so you don't have to. Welcome to episode 7, Kiss and Makeup. Uh... I was so sure we were going to get on to Joseph today, you guys, but it just it, there's just a whole bunch of stuff to tie up first because freaking Jacob's just running around stirring up all the shit, and so now we got to solve all the problems that he caused. So, oh, we'll do the little intro thing first, which is if you were expecting this to be a deeply religious and spiritual experience, you're probably in the wrong spot. Uh, you should probably go somewhere else for that. And also, if you're expecting me to have all of the scholarly answers to all of your questions about the Bible, you should probably also go to a lecture about that. There are many people who have their uh, PhD in this, and they're not me. So neither of those things is what we do here. This is a place for if you uh, just wanted to read the book, and you've always thought you should read the book, but you don't really want to, so I'm just going to tell you about it. And we're going we're gonna to throw in some extras here and there. The other thing is, of course, and you know, if you've made it this far, and you're listening backwards, uh, you're a crazy pants, but good on you. Go hard. Uh, I would recommend that you listen in order starting at episode one. I know maybe the, the sound and the flow might not quite be on, but uh, it's a good place to start because we're going to bring back some of the things that we talked about in earlier episodes and we do kind of carry on in chronological order. So if you want to be less confused about life, that's probably the way to go. But you know what? You do you. So if you remember... From last episode, which should have been called Tons of Sons, but wasn't, because I made a mistake. You'll remember that we left up with Jacob telling all of his family, after working for his uncle for like 10,000 years, it was only 20, but it probably felt like a million. He says, okay, everybody, pack your stuff, we're out of here. So they leave, without telling anyone, and I told, I have to make a small correction, um, because I was reading for stuff for today and I caught a thing that I thought was a typo. I was like, what? There's a typo in the Bible? Can you do that? So I said last week that when they were leaving, Rebecca, sorry, pardon me, Rachel, which is Jacob's youngest wife, stole her father's household goods. But that's not what she did. She stole her father's household gods which is slightly a bigger deal. And then she didn't tell anyone about it. So just so you know, that's, you know, it's not just goods. She didn't just take some stuff. She took Laban's household gods, um, which I'm guessing just based on previous experience that these are probably little clay figures or little gold figures that represented Laban's ancestors. He doesn't necessarily worship the God of Isaac and of Jacob. And so um, those are the gods of his household to whom he prays for good fortune and good luck and, you know, all those good things that you pray for. So they're, they're kind of a big deal. And the real kicker is that Jacob doesn't know that Rachel's done this. So Laban rocks up, he, he, he catches up with them and says, Oh my God, why did you just leave all of a sudden? You didn't even tell me. I would have been nice. And we're like, mm, you're a liar, but that's okay. Because if you learn anything from the last episode, it's that Laban is a liar. And so he says, you didn't give me a chance to kiss my daughters goodbye. What have you done? And um, Jacob's kind of like, uh, well, um, sorry. <laughs> and 
And then Laban says, why did you steal my stuff? Jacob's like, what do you mean steal my steal your stuff? What are you talking about? Search through all my things. Find the thing that I stole from you. Why are you complaining? I didn't steal anything. Because, of course, he didn't steal anything. It was Rachel that stole the thing and then didn't tell him. And so Rachel sets an excellent precedent for ladies centuries after. She takes the household gods, hides them on her camel saddle, and then sits on them. And once again, another example of women using their power um, to sort of subvert the patriarchy in really subtle and cool ways. Jacob is sort of oblivious. Laban is going through every single tent he goes through. Everybody's stuff and, you know, do you have my things? Do you have my things? Doesn't say what he's looking for. Because, I don't know, he's a weirdo. And he gets to Rachel and comes into her tent and she says, I'm so sorry. You know, look through whatever you want. I, I can't get up because the time of women is upon me. Basically, I've got my period, and if I get up, there's going to be blood everywhere. And Laban's like, oh, ah, ugh, just kidding, I'm blah, and leaves. And so she gets to keep the household gods, I guess. And I don't really know what happens to them. They're never mentioned again. And Jacob thinks that Laban is looking for household goods. So he's just as confused as I was. And he, he gets really upset. He's like, look, I've been living with you for 20 damn years. Why are you treating me like a thief? Like, you, you, you've you just proved why I ought to have left in the dark without telling anybody. At least I have all of the stuff that you owe me. Um, I haven't stolen a darn thing. So if, you know, step off, dude. Uh, and you've just proved if I hadn't run away in the middle of the night, you would have sent me with nothing. And so God knew all this. Because when Laban showed up, he was like, hey, God came to me last night and he said, you know, not to be a jerk to you. And now Jacob says, uh, yeah. God's rebuking you for the way that you've treated me for the last 20 years. So they decide, they sit down together and they say, you know what, you know what, you know what, let's, uh, let's quit all this fighting we're doing. Let's make a covenant. So they do the thing that you do when you make a covenant, which is you get some rocks. Everybody gets a rock and they all make a little rock pile. And this is going to be the site of their covenant. And so they agree that everything is going to be fine between them. And Laban adds, you know, proving that he... I, mm, suggesting, more like, suggesting that he really does care about his daughters and what happens to them. Says, you know, my, I'm sending all of my daughters with you, so you better treat them nice. And if you mistreat my daughters or if you take other wives, you know, and dishonor my daughters, then God's gonna know. I won't necessarily be there, but we've made this covenant and God's gonna know about it, so don't don't do that. To which Jacob says, yeah, okay, cool, great, sounds wonderful, groovy, groovy, groovy. And they feast, they sacrifice, and then the next morning they kiss and make up, and Laban leaves. He blesses all of his daughters, and then he leaves. Which, I don't know, man, that's such a weird, weird family situation. Um, and they call the place Galid, because that's where they made their covenant. So that happens. They kiss and make up, everything's great. And so then... As they're going back into the land of Jacob's father, Jacob has this idea, you know, huh, I've been out of the country for a long time. And the reason that I left in the first place is because my brother was really, really not happy with me. And um, maybe he still wants to kill me. That's probably a thing that we should consider, I think. <sighs> so he sends a messenger to Esau and he says, hey, so by the way, uh, I'm coming back into the country and also I've got presents, presents, I've got presents for you. And he sends them with a small gift. So the messengers return 
And uh, they say, Esau says, hi. And also he's bringing 400 men to tell you how much he loves you. To which Jacob's response is, yikes. And so he splits his people in two. He has enough people for two companies, is the word that they use. And he says to himself, you know, I'm going to split up. At least that way, if my brother is coming to kill me, he won't get everyone. You know, the company that's split off from us will at least be spared. Which, I mean, smart plan. Because, you know, as we discussed last episode, Esau has ample reason to want to murder his brother. Like, Jacob's kind of been a jerk. A little bit. Now, it was maybe his mom that instigated him being a jerk, but, you know, we'll put that aside for now. So... He uh, says to God, so, hey, by the way, remember when we had that chat and you said, go back to the land of your fathers. Everything's going to be great. I'm going to bless you and make you numerous and your descendants are going to number as the sand of the sea. I'm just holding you to that promise because my brother's about to come and kill me. So let's just review those things that you said you were going to do. And um, then the next day he sends his makeup gift to his brother. So if you've had a sibling conflict and you would like to make a biblical makeup present, here's what you do. You get 200 female goats, 200 ewes, 20 male goats and 20 rams, 30 milk camels. Well, it's actually spelled milch and I had to look it up and it just means, and I thought, I was like, that, that sounds like the word for milk. Um, and it just means camels who are, who are giving milk because they have babies. So 30 milk camels and the babies, which are, of course, the cause of milk being made in the mother. Four cows, ten bulls. I think it's interesting that the cows and the bulls are the only ones that are opposite, where there's less females than there are males. Interesting. Don't know what that's about. And then 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. So there's your gift basket if you've done a really bad thing. Bad enough that your brother's probably not wrong to want to kill you. That's how you make up for it. So he tells all of his dudes, he says, okay, so I want you to take these and I want you to go ahead. I want you to drive the flock ahead of you. And when you get to where Esau is, I want you to tell him, hey, these are Jacob's. They're for you. And all of these people that are following are his people. And oh, also he's there too, but like, don't, he's at the back. And he tells everyone that's traveling with him, everybody else go in front and uh, tell my brother, that I'm coming behind you. So once again, the best way to make up the presence should come first and the offensive person a long, long way behind. Sounds like a decent recipe. And then we just have this weird little insert. And it's just a weird wrestling match. So if you've heard of, you know, the time that Jacob wrestled with God, that sounds like it's this, you know, metaphorical thing where like Jacob has a lot of questions and he's like, you know, thinking deeply about the stuff and asking a bunch of really tough questions about his faith and about God. That's not what happens. What happens is Jacob sends his whole family across the river first and he's coming last, which of course is, you know, the, the plan all along. And as he's hanging out on the opposite side of the river, a guy just comes along and they wrestle. And... I don't know why. I don't know what happens. Um, and they wrestled until daybreak, which is a heckin' wrestling match. Like, wow. And so uh, the guy that's wrestling him strikes him on the hip socket and, like, dislocates Jacob's hip, which, if you've ever dislocated a joint, is not a small deal. 
particularly your hip. Like, that's a, oof, that's an injury. Yuck. And so then uh, Jacob sticks him in a headlock. And um, the guy that's wrestling says, hey, let me go. Day's coming. And Jacob says, ha, yeah, right. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Which I'm like, uh, is that just a fancy way of saying until you say uncle, I'm not letting you go? I don't know. And uh, then he adds, so uh, what's your name? Sorry, the guy who's wrestling with him says, what's your name? And Jacob says, uh, Jacob. And um, then the man says to him, says, so this, just picture this. You've been wrestling with this random guy and he dislocates your hip. You've got him in a headlock. And he says, oh my God, you have to let me go. It's almost done. And you're like, what? And then he asks you what your name is and you tell him. And he says, you're not going to be called that anymore. You're going to be called Israel because you have wrestled with men and God and won. And Jacob's like, what? And he says, so what's your name? And the guy that he's wrestling with says, you don't need to know my name. Why are you asking me? Blesses him and just pieces out. What? <laughs> like, what was that? And so Jacob has this moment. He names the place, which is a trend that we've seen here a lot. He names the place Peniel or Peniel. I'm not sure. And um, says that he calls it that because he's seen God face to face and didn't die. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know, you guys. I, I just don't know. There was a weird wrestling match and then Jacob was like, huh, that must have been God. Good thing I'm not dead. I'm like, you wrestled God and you, what? What? So I don't know what to tell you about that, but apparently there was this weird ass wrestling match uh, and he dislocated his hip. Doesn't tell anybody whether or not he puts it back in or not. I, I, you know, he, he's limping as he comes back across the river. But I'm like, somebody must have put your hip socket back in or you would not be walking. Like, oof, the massive level of ow. So, yep, there's just that weird wrestling match and a name change. And then we just move right along as if nothing weird has happened. There's just a small little note at the bottom that says, this is why Israelites do not eat the thigh muscle that's on the hip socket. Because uh, he... This dude that we still don't know who his name is, presumably God, struck Jacob on the hip socket at the thigh muscle. I have no idea what this, I have no idea. I'm just telling you, I'm telling you the facts and I don't know what to do with them. So there's that pile of wackadoo. So now we're back to the plot. In case you were confused as why we had this little detour. Me too. But now we're back to the plot. So remember, in case you forgot in this tiny detour... Uh, Jacob's sending all of his stuff and all of his people up ahead and himself a long way behind. He even sends his wife, his wives and all of his daughters and all of his sons ahead of him. He's like literally the last person. And uh, he comes towards Esau bowing on the ground, which is like a big deal. He's not just like dipping his head. He is like on the ground. It's a big deal. And uh, Esau's like, uh, hey, <laughs> and who? all these people who are with you and Jacob's like these are my kids I brought them to meet you and these are my daughters and my sons that God has blessed me with look at my pretty wives they wanted to come meet their uncle isn't that sweet and he says like I guess this is weird and then he says also what what is the purpose of this gigantic herd of livestock that you that I have seen driven into my camp like what is this and Jacob says, they're so that I can find favor with you. And he calls him my lord. And I'm like, okay, laying it on a little thick there, bro. And Esau says, uh, dude, 
you can just keep your stuff. Like, I got lots of stuff. And Jacob's like, no, 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 no. Like, I went away and I found favor with God and I want to share that with you. So, like, you got to take my stuff. And he sounds like, okay. Like, weird, but I I guess. Like, I can just picture Esau's face being like, oh, my God. My brother is a drama llama. Nothing has changed since we were teenagers. I don't even believe this dude. Anyway, so it, it works. And then Esau, you know, he's like, hey, let's travel together. You know, he's making up with Jacob. I'm like, wow, Esau, you have grown as a human, my man, because last episode, this guy was so pissed. Like he was gonna murder his brother. And now he's like, you know what? I've grown as a person. My brother brought me all these presents. He even like declined the presents to start with. Like, I don't think it's the presents that won him over. He's just like, you know what? Got my brother back. I'm a bigger person. I moved on from that shit. Like, we're fine. It's good. So he says, hey, let's travel together. And uh, Jacob says, absolutely, absolutely. But you know what? Uh, my sheep are really tired. And I don't want to, you know, because we, we've walked a long way today. And, and I don't want to, you know, lots of them are pregnant. And I don't want to risk losing my lambs because I pushed them too hard. So it's really important for me to go slow. And he says, like, of course. And so Jacob says, you know what we should do is why don't you go on ahead of me and, uh, and I'll follow you. I'll meet you there. I'm like, oh, Jacob, you are such a jerk face. So Esau says, yeah, sure, sounds good. And he carries on. And then Jacob's like, nope, just kidding. And he goes to Shechem. And he buys a little plot of land for a hundred bucks. Or I think it says a hundred monies. A hundred bucks. Anyway. Oh, a hundred pieces of money. There you go. A hundred monies. And he pitches his tent on the plot of land. And uh, now they live there. So now, uh, trigger warning, if anybody is not okay with non-consensual sex and people getting murdered about that, you should skip the next probably couple minutes at least. Um, I will give you a little cue when it's safe to come back in because this next little bit is a little, a little bit rough. So yeah, if, you're not a, if that's going to be triggering for you to talk about uh, rape or non-consensual sex at all, then you should move on from here. So now we get to the only <laughs> named daughter of... Uh, of Jacob, who is Dina, the daughter of Leah. And she goes out to chat with the women of the region. You know, you've moved to a new place, you're gonna go chat at the well, do whatever. And then the prince of Shechem, who is named also Shechem, I don't know why, but he sees her. And like, just the series of events here. He saw her, he seized her, and lay with her by force. Like, that is... Oof, zero to 60, just like that. And then, and then this son of a biscuit says that he loves her. His soul was drawn to Dina, the daughter of Jacob. He loved her and spoke tenderly to her. And I am so shocked that Dina didn't claw his eyes out. Like, what an asshole! Ugh! So that just happens, and that's just a sentence. In uh, in chapter thirty four. And so then Shechem goes to his father and says, "Hey, so, by the way, so I raped this chick, but like, let's not talk about that. I really, really, really love her, though. So like, can you go to her dad and get permission for me to marry her?" And I'm like, "Can you believe what is this?" So Jacob hears that Shechem has defiled defiled his daughter, which. Don't get me started on constructs of virginity and all that junk. But let's be real. The rape is not a good thing. That's probably not a good time. 
if they have to specify by force, I'm guessing this wasn't high on Dina's to-do list for the day. So, uh, but his sons are all out in the field. So he's going to wait until they come in to tell them. And so, happily enough, he, uh, his sons come back at the same time as Hamor, the son of, sorry, the father of Shechem, the guy who did the raping, comes in to speak with Jacob. And so they're all chilling in a little pack there. There's Shechem and his father Hamor, and then Jacob and all of his sons. And when his sons, this is, this is, I mean, okay. So I've got this brother, right? And like, he's really, really awesome. And one of the things I think is super, super, super duper important when it comes to hashtag the patriarchy is having people who are in a position of privilege that can stick up for you and look out for you um, and protect people who can't protect themselves. And I'm not saying that what these guys did is right, but I'm saying that it's the biblical equivalent of some pretty strong allyship, especially when her father was kind of being a dipshit. So we'll get there. Anyway, so his sons are pissed, like predictably so. Like, oh my God, that's our sister. You can't just do like, what is this? And you say you want to marry her? Whoa! Hmm, I'm going to send you to marry some ghosts in the afterlife, you jerk face. Uh, but then Hamor speaks to them and says, you know, my son's just really in love with her. And of course, all of the brothers are like, that's not how love works. But they don't say anything. So he says, you know, please, please, please. Like you guys are living here. Like, let us take our, take your daughters as our wives. And, and you can take our daughters for your wives and we'll mix and match and it'll be great. And uh, Jacob and then his sons say, okay, sure. That sounds like a decent plan. I think we can get behind that. But, you know, we could never give our sister to somebody who wasn't circumcised because that's part of the rules, right? So if you want to if you wanna marry my sister, you got to get circumcised. And every man in your city also must get circumcised. It's, it's a big deal, you know? You got you to gotta, you gotta give some to get some, you know? Like this, is, this is part of the thing. And then if you do that, then sure, you can have our daughters, we can have your daughters. It's all good. We'll be buddies. And I love that um, the sons of Jacob answered him deceitfully. Because you're like, oh, oh, they're faking it. What are they going to do? I'll tell you. So Shechem and Hamor go back to the city and they say, they, they, um, the young man did not delay to do the thing. Which I'm like, oh, that's my kind of vocab. I love that. Because he's delighted with Jacob's daughter. I'm like, I don't think Jacob's daughter was delighted with you. But that's fine. So... He uh, gets circumcised. All the men get circumcised. And everything's great. And they're all chilling. And uh, then on the third day. So I don't know. I've, okay, so I have, to, I have to preface. I've never been circumcised. I don't know what that feels like. I'm imagining that doing anything that involves a blade and your genitals is not a fun time. And takes some time to heal, right? Like you have an open wound on your body. Like it's So three days later, not enough time. And uh, whoever wrote this text points it out. When they were still in pain, like, ooh, ugh, low blow. Two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dina's brothers, take their swords and come into the city. They sneak in there and they kill all the men. I'm like, whoa, that got metal really fast. And I... So you read that first part and you're like, okay, like I get it that your sister got raped. You probably shouldn't kill everybody. That's probably not the, you know, is that the best solution? But then, but then, because perhaps I am not the most righteous of individuals, they come back and said, hey, so we killed all those dudes. I think we're good now. And Jacob says, oh, come on, guy. 
Chinese? You're gonna ruin my relationship with all the residents in this area. Like everyone's gonna hate us. And I just, I just love the brother's response. Dude, they raped our sister. Like, pfft, I don't give a shit about your relationships. They raped my sister. They actually say, should our sister be treated like a whore? But I, mm, I can just picture the reaction of, I cannot believe our sister went through this horrible, traumatic, terrible thing. We had to rescue her from this weird dude's house. We killed all of the men to avenge her. Because she's not supposed to do it herself, I guess. But that's, you know, legit. Second best thing. And you're upset because we might have damaged your international relations? Oh my god, get out of here with that. Just miss me with all of that. So, ugh, so I don't know what to do about that. <laughs> I mean, let me just say, if I got raped and kidnapped and taken to some weird dude's house... <sighs> I can't say I'd be mad if my brother busted in and killed all those dudes. Can't say I'd be mad. Don't know if that's right of me, but can't say I'd be mad. So we're just gonna, just gonna sit on that. I mean, we don't have time to unpack all of that. So if you're skipping ahead, uh, now is the time where you can uh, come back in. We are done with all of the rape and all of that nastiness. So welcome back. Uh, bad things happened, and now we're back. Hello. So, after all of this <clears throat> shakes down, and because they've disrupted international relations, God says to Jacob, Hey, so, you know, I'm thinking maybe it's time to peace out. It's probably a good idea. And Jacob says, You know what? Uh, you're right. So let's, let's, let's get out of here. So they leave and they make their way back to Bethel. Now, if you remember, I did not remember until I read it and I had to go back and review. So if you do remember, you're a superstar. But Bethel is the place where Jacob originally prayed to God that time that he left and ran away. So as soon as he was like, my brother's going to murder me ah, and ran away, um, he got to this place and prayed to God and they had their little chat and he built a little altar there and called it Bethel. So that's where they're heading. And uh, so Jacob wakes up the next morning and he says, Okay, fam, so job number one, give up all your false gods. Which I just think is a really, uh, a really interesting addition. You know, I would have just sort of assumed that you would just sort of keep the faith that you had all the time. I don't know. Anyway, so apparently the presence in this area in Shechem has made it so that people have been worshipping other gods. And so first stop on that. Get rid of all those extra gods, because we don't like them. We only got one god, so jot that down. And um, now we're going to leave. So purify yourselves, change your clothes, and let's get out of here. So they do that. And I think it's really interesting that they gave to Jacob all their foreign gods and then took the rings that were in their ears. Now, I don't know if this is because earrings are suddenly bad. You'll remember that when... Um, when Isaac met Rebecca, that she he gave her gifts of rings for her nose and her ears. Uh, I'm guessing that what's going on here is like this is all the precious stuff that they've taken from these people or that they've bought or, you know, have traded for with these people in Shechem, and uh, that maybe it's it's that that makes it impure. I don't know. Someone smarter probably knows. Anyway, they give all that stuff to Jacob. He buries them under an oak tree and they peace out. I think it's really interesting that. 
as they go, because once again, damaged international relationships, God puts a terror on all of the people. And I, I just imagine this as one gigantic anxiety attack for like the whole country. I'm like, wow, that's rough. But he does that so that nobody attacks them on their way to Canaan. So they don't get chased. Everything's good. And um, now we just, uh, we get back to Bethel. Back to Bethel in Canaan. And now we just have some loose ends to tie up. So loose end number one, Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, who like from ages ago, she died um, and was buried under an oak. And then God appears to Jacob again and says, hey, so... By the way, I know we talked about this, but I didn't really tell you that it was me because I'm a joker, just joking around. But I don't want you to be called Jacob anymore, so stop that. And Jacob's like, uh, okay, we're going to name you Israel. I already told you. Obviously, you forgot. It was that whole wrestling match we had. I know it was weird and kind of kinky, but whatever. So they reiterate that, that yet, yeah, no, for reals, though, like your name is going to be Israel. So, yeah. Then they build a pillar and they give a drink offering. And I think it's really interesting that um, that's that's a, a common method of sacrificing for a bunch of groups of people, like leaving a libation, which is just pouring a drink of some kind over, over the place where your gods are living, is a really common thing. So it's kind of cool just to see that connection between um, the ancient Israelites and, and a bunch of other groups of people. So kind of neato shmito on that one. The other tie-ups. So Rachel gives birth to her second son, uh, Benjamin, or Benjamin, but we're not going to do that because that's going to take a lot of effort, Benjamin. And she dies in childbirth. And I just, oh my God, you guys, if you thought you'd had enough of the patriarchy for one episode, hold on to your butts because she just, it's just parenthetical. So it's like, yep, Rachel gave birth and she's having a hard time in labor. And the midwife says to her, you know what? Don't be afraid. You're going to have a son. It's going to be worth it. I'm like, I hate all of that so much, but like, okay, whatever. And then it says, and so with her dying breath in parentheses for she died, I'm like, really? That's all she gets? Like, I just, I don't know. It's just this in parentheses. She had a son. That's the most important thing. She named him with her dying breath. She names him Ben-Oni, but um, her husband recants that and calls him Ben-Yamin instead. And, and, and that's just it. She gets a tomb and then she's dead. So that's interesting. And uh, the other person who dies is Isaac. And we'll get there. I just... Just the comparison between the two. So... Rachel dies in childbirth and it's, it's, in, it's, I don't know, it's the fact that it's in parentheses. Maybe it wasn't like that in the original text. I just, it's just like, oh yeah, by the way, she died. Moving on, she had a baby and she had a son, so everything was worth it. I'm just like, I don't love that. And then uh, I, when Isaac dies, he's once again gathered to his people. And um, just that, the difference between that phrasing. Like, I love that phrase, gathered to his people. The last time, you know, when... Uh, when Abraham died, they used that same phrase, and I just think it's so beautiful. And then Rachel just gets these parentheses. I'm just like, I, ugh. It seems pretty unfair, you know? Anyway, so not to end on a dark side, but um, in between Rachel dying and Isaac dying, Reuben, the eldest son, Leah's, Leah's eldest son, lies with Bilhah. And I don't know if you remember Bilhah. She's from last episode. She's uh, one of the maids that, uh, that Jacob li- laid with to have extra sons. 
And it just says, and Israel heard of it. Israel, Jacob, who is now Israel, he heard of it. And nothing happened. So I don't know what, I don't know. They don't mention, <laughs> they don't mention anything about it. So Jacob hears about it and then that's it, I guess. So that happened. And then we get a list of all of Jacob's sons. So Reuben is the firstborn. This is where people get the list. If you're going to listen to Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, all of these people are characters. So we've got Reuben and Simeon and Levi and Judah and Isaacar and Zebulun, Joseph and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, and Gad and Asher. That's 12 sons. That is, as I stated previously, a ton of sons. So many sons. Anyway, they're listed there. It's just a nice recap. So in case you were curious about who all the sons of Jacob were. That's who they are. And then the end of this episode is just me telling you how grateful you should be that you don't have to read through a list of all of Esau's descendants, because it does point out that when Isaac dies, uh, Jacob and Esau both come together to bury him. And I think that's kind of cool, you know, like they have this great thing and they do point out that um, Esau settles close to his brother Jacob. They can't live too close because, of course, they both have gigantic households and a lot of livestock and you can't have you know, you'd overgraze the land if you had all of them really close together. So they point that out and they're like, you know, they're bros, they're hanging, it's good. And then it goes on to list all of the Edomites uh, because Esau first settled in, in Edom. And so that's, they, they call his descendants the Edomites. And uh, there's a list of a whole lot of them. And I won't read the list to you, but I will just point out that this is the moment in the oral storytelling tradition that would be like the big cheer for everybody, right? So if, if you had someone like a bard or, you know, the equivalent telling this tale orally by the fireside, this would be the time where you'd say things like, and then there were the sons of Shabal, and all of the descendants of the sons of Shabal would be like, yeah, it's us, whoa! And you get all raucous, and it's like getting a mention in the tale, right? And so uh, there's a lot of those things. And if someone has done something um, notable, so there was one son who, oh yeah, Anna, uh, these are the sons of Zibion, Aya and Anna. It's the Anna who found the springs in the wilderness. So I, I don't know what springs they are. I don't know what wilderness. But I will tell you that whoever was hearing this tale in its original form would know. They'd be like, oh my god, that's that guy. He did the thing. Yeah. And it would be like a big moment. So it doesn't mean much to us, but to the people who were originally hearing it, it would have meant a lot. So... There we go. This this really was just a wrap-up episode. I'm sorry, I was going to try to make it a little bit longer, but I just, I don't want to jump into Joseph um, until I have, you know, until we can really devote an entire episode to him, just because he's got a really long story with lots of details, and he's, he's really popular. Um, so stay tuned for brothers selling their brother into slavery, and all the things that happened to Joseph, and why you shouldn't show favoritism to your children, because that's a terrible plan, and it makes them mad. So, as always, if you have any questions, please feel free to get in touch with us. You can DM us on Instagram at thepocketbookpod, uh, email us on Gmail at thepocketbookpod at gmail.com. Uh, let us know if you have other things that you'd like to be mentioned while we're chatting about these things, if you have thoughts about some of the questions we've posed, if you've ever had a situation where you said, I'm sorry, I'm on my period, so I can't, and it worked, let us know. And please come back next time. If you enjoy the podcast, you can hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. That really helps other people find the podcast. 
brings the podcast up in the in the search engine so that people can you know find us a little bit more easily if you want to leave a review that would be nice um ideally a good review but i mean it's cool if you have nasty things to say put those out there too i'm tough i can take it so uh yeah i think that's it that's all so thanks again as always for listening and i hope you guys have a super week see you next time